You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio, serving Calgary in southern Alberta since 1992. The bottom of the hour. Mark Spector, Sportsnet.ca, covers the Oilers and the National Hockey League. We'll ask Spector, please give us a, a real Eric Carlson of the Oilers trade scenario. Let's do it. Let's see it. But to me, if I'm the Oilers, Matty, um, yeah. Klingberg makes a ton more sense. Oh. Mm. Although he's been terrible in Anaheim this season. He's been awful. But he's a guy with an expiring deal. That's why they signed him to that one-year, $9 million deal to flip him at the deadline, essentially. If I'm the Oilers, I go the John Klingberg route and kind of just hope he can turn back into Dallas Stars' John Klingberg. The other thing there is Klingberg had that weird contract clause where he had a full no trade until January 1st, and then he had to give a 10-team list to the Ducks. So there is a level of trade control for... Klingberg in that situation. Are you saying the Oilers are probably on that list? We know that a lot of lists are mostly the seven Canadian teams and the three California teams. That's typically what a lot of lists will look like. And what? Whoa, what? No, no. Yeah. The Canadian teams aren't on the list. LA, San Jose, and Anaheim are on no trade lists for players. That was Dodonov. They've got. He's dumb. Why would you not want to go to California and play for one of those teams? Because they have ridiculous tax hikes. Like, they have the highest tax rates of anything, and that's what a lot of these players look at. And they say, if I'm going to get traded somewhere, I at least want to get – I don't want to lose money by getting traded to L.A. or Anaheim. If I want to sign there on my own accord, that's totally fine, but I don't want to get traded there when I was in – you know, Vegas or Seattle or Nashville where I didn't have to pay state or the great tax. free state of Florida. Bingo. Anyway. And then now yeah. you have to go to L.A. and they basically right. take like $400,000 if you're making like $6 million or something like that. So that that would be my my mm. one thing on John Klingberg. I wonder more about his Shane Goss despair um, being a match for the Edmonton Oilers more so than Carlson. Because I think the Carlson thing, whether it's the... Assets you'd have to give up, whether it's the rest of that contract, whether it's the Sharks not wanting to retain. There's a whole list of ways that that deal could get hung up. Um, same with the Klingberg one, like I just mentioned. But I do wonder a little bit about uh, Shane Gostisbehere in Arizona. What about why aren't the Oilers mentioned when it comes to Chikrin? Well, they had been for a while. But then that seemed to cool off. Like I going back to the off season, that was something that they had definitely discussed. But um, yeah, I, I don't know why that one's cooled off because you'd think that would be a a match that would make sense. You know, Chikrin obviously comes in; he's one of the more highly touted pieces right now. He's left-handed. I don't know how that entirely fits into kind of the scheme of what the Edmonton Oilers are doing. But he's not one of those highly touted right shot defenseman that we talk so much about. They got Bouchard, they got Barry, and they got CeCe down the right-hand side. So yeah, but I, you could find I a match there. I would not be surprised Desjardins, if Barry's the guy that good. goes the other way for a salary dump. Well, you'd have to, right? But then the other part of that, too, and this is something that Elliot Friedman talked about on one of the recent episodes of either 32 Thoughts of the Merrick Show, 
and he said Barry is a he's a favorite in that locker room. He's one mm. of the guys that a lot of people um, just a lot of the Oilers really adore. Well, I believe was the actual word that he used. So you also got to worry about upsetting the apple cart in that sense. But I, I, I'm right there with you. I think that in order to make the numbers work, whether it's Gossespair or, well, Carlson for sure, but, yeah. you know, Gossespair comes in at a little bit of a smaller number compared to Carlson, who's, what, the highest paid defenseman at 11 and a half, is coming in at 4.5. And you can get some of that retained still by Arizona because he's a pending UFA, whereas if San Jose wants to retain, there's still four more years they would have to hold on to that number of Eric Carlson. And... Listen, I think that the re, the 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 rebuild in San Jose isn't going to be one that's brief, but still four years is that's a unless, long time. Unless you get some sort of third team involved in this. True, but even then, like here's my thing: like if I'm a third team and I'm taking on salary, I would be interested to do it for a year, maybe two, but. If you're asking a third team to come in and eat, what, $2.5 million for four more seasons after that, like, what is that going to cost you? What is the, right. Like, what is what is that asset cost? Is that a first-round pick? Because that's, that's a pretty big commitment against your cap. And then the other thing, too, if you're San Jose, I, you have the Martin Jones buyout on the books for another, five, for another four seasons after this, which is almost $3 million next year I, and then over $1.5 yeah. to three after. And then you have Brent Burns on his retained salary for two more seasons after this as well, which the two seasons doesn't matter because you're going to be a team that's trying to rebuild their prospect pool. But it's those next two years, the 25, 26, 26, 27, when you would hope that there's a little bit of progress being shown that Mm -hmm. maybe that hampers you at going out and getting a a free agent like, maybe not a Blake Coleman type, but someone who's a more established veteran who has maybe done some winning to show some of your young guys who have probably had a couple rough years to start their career in the NHL that it ain't all bad and this is how you actually do things and you want to have a little bit of flexibility. So that that's just kind of my my feel on the Carlson trade and why it's going to be... Why it's, it's fun to talk about, but I just feel like if this, ha- like if this happens, I'm going to be shocked. I'm not going to be Matthew Kachuk traded to Florida for Huberto and Uyghur on a Friday night in the middle of the summer stunned, but I will be pretty taken aback if Carlson gets moved before the March 3rd deadline. Uh, lots to talk to Speck about at the bottom of the hour. The franchise, Eric Francis at 8 o'clock. We're taking your text messages. 960-960. Um, who needs to elevate their game more with 28 games to go? Jacob Markstrom or Jonathan Huberto. I know um, you're mentioning Huberto and uh, Patrick Wayne on this too. Um, if I would have told you through 54 games of the Flames season, Rasmus Anderson, Elias Lindholm, and Tyler Toffoli, well, they got the same amount, would have more assists than Jonathan Huberto so far for the Flames. You probably would have said, how hurt was Huberto for this whole season? And I would say, no, he's missed three games. And he's tied for third in assists on this team, Matty. Yeah, that's... Um, hmm. That's After not last season, notching 85 assists leading the NHL. Yeah, it's it's been jarring to put the numbers up side by side and, and kind of look at how things have broken down this year. Um 
you know, we've talked about it a lot. I think that there's a couple of things that you could point to and, and maybe expected a drop-off in point production, but to expect almost a 50% drop-off in point production is jarring, to say the least. Yes. You know, here's something that I'm going back to the podcast again uh, with Elliot and Jeff, but they brought up the idea, and I think we've even tossed it around here before too, of Anthony Duclair and an addition of Duclair yeah. from the Panthers. And their reason wasn't necessarily, hey, it adds speed and it adds scoring and, and all this type of stuff. They just said, hey, get somebody that Jonathan Huberto's comfortable to play with. Because last season, it was Duclair on the opposite wing for Jonathan Huberto. And one of the things that Duclair can do so well is he's got that burner type of speed that if he gets a puck in the neutral zone... It forces defensemen to back up into their own zone, which gives Jonathan Huberto a little bit more space as soon as he's across that blue line and into the offensive zone to kind of sit back, try and find a teammate, try and find an outlet, and create a scoring opportunity that way. Same way that Johnny Gaudreau off a rush, a lot of times he would kind of button hook right before he hit the top of the circle and wait for help or make a nifty little move against the boards and try and escape coverage and get down the wall and behind the net. Like, that's somewhere that you look for more Jonathan Huberto to do that, and it just hasn't been there this year because perhaps he hasn't found the line mates to work for him with his style of play because, like we've talked about, he plays a little bit of a run-and-gun style, like that yeah. that kind of pond hockey style. Uh, that's when he's his most successful, and that's pretty much the opposite of what Daryl Sutter likes yeah. to run. Um, Patrick, um, when it comes to Jonathan Huberto, I know a lot of people roll their eyes now at plus minus, uh, because they pretend like expected goals and these other things are like (laughs) real stats. Um, but I I know again, it's a little overrated, but this number is eye popping to me. Um, this year he's a minus one last year. He was a plus 35. Like that's an enormous difference. Yeah. No, like we were talking like. If I if I was like, oh, he's only got twenty six assists. Like, how close are the Flames to the Bedard sweepstakes? Because that's what I was yes. going into the whole thing. It was like Jonathan Huberto, he's going to be a hundred point guy. We're going to pick up and like, yeah, that was just us being excited and maybe just just more just enthralled. Like, oh, we've moved on from Goudreau and Kachuk. We got a new star here, and it's not working out right now. I would have thought, hey, this team is one of the worst teams in the league if Jonathan Huberto is. At 26 assists, 10 goals. I I figured, like, what else is happening? Because if he's not clicking, then Lindholm ain't yeah. clicking. And, like, whatever. God bless Tyler Toffoli for what he's brought this season. Because without Tyler Toffoli, yep. my God, I don't know where the heck this team would be. Again, I, I've said it, most consistent flames forward. Uh, real quick on Jacob Markstrom. We know he's had a down year. Uh, this is the year he's not going to be a finalist for the Vesna Trophy, uh, safe to say, unless he has, like, 12 shutouts down the stretch here. Um, goals against uh, way down or way up from last season. He had a 222 last season, 293 this year. Uh, nine shutouts, as we discussed yesterday, zero so far this year. And the save percentage um, down significantly to from a 922 to an 891. Anything below 900 is bad news for your number one goaltender. Like, it really is. And... Can you say this is about the team in front of him so much as his play has just dropped? Because, like, the shots have been limited, right? Like, the Flames don't give up too many shots as a whole. I don't have that number in front of me. I'm sure we can look it up. But, 
This is more about Markstrom's play than it is about the team in front of him. Doesn't it feel that way? Because ever since that Oilers series, uh, it's like he's been broken and he hasn't been the same, Matty. Yeah, I, it it was obviously a really hard series for him. He was not what we expected. Um, yeah, and, and like me and you have discussed it, George, he'll go through a game and they'll give up way too much in the first. He'll allow a goal, which perhaps is a stinker, but then throughout the rest of the game, he'll make four or five great saves that keep this team right in it, right ready for the challenge, but they just haven't been able to kind of get the, the scoring to back him up. Yeah, you'd like a little bit more from a guy who's making the money he has, Vesna Caliber last year. You wonder what's going on. You know, at the same time, I think that you could literally just say, well, that's kind of how goalies go. And I don't know if there's much more of a scientific answer you could get into. But the results haven't been there. And I think that in itself is that that's, yeah. that's what you got to point to. Yeah, it's it's easy to say, hey, the team just isn't that great in front of them, uh, Patrick, too. But yeah, it's. Mm. I think this is more him than the team in front of him. And like, like again, we talked about it yesterday. His his propensity to let in a stinker seems like it rears its ugly head here once every couple games. The and it didn't matter Saturday in Buffalo that second goal that he should have had, but the overtime winner on Stutzla that's just. That had an odor to it, uh, a bad odor to it. And he's a guy that's let that in uh, this season and didn't do that for the majority of last season. Yeah, and the shots aren't being allowed by the Flames. Like you mentioned, it's, I got the numbers here. They've allowed less than 1,500 shots. There's only two teams in the NHL that have done that. There you go. Them and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, there you go. They see 27, they see around 28 shots a game, which is the second least in the league per game. There, there you go. Which proves my point even further, that this is more about Markstrom than the team in front of him. And it's not like when you watch a Flames game, it's not like he's making like these unreal saves because they're all 10-bell or 5-bell. I don't even know how that scale works, to be honest with you. When I hear a 10-bell, a 5-bell, a 5-star, I, think I don't even just, know how that's I think it's 10-bell that and works. that's it, but yeah. Yeah, like a 10-bell of what? Like, I don't understand how that scale works. So um, it's not like he... It's not like he's the one making all these ridiculous saves. You're like, wow, he's really keeping the flames in it. No, because no, how a lot many of these shots are from he... the periphery. Yeah, because how many of those, like, like we had that one, the the, the Against the Kings where yeah. he stopped Kopitar right at the early end of the, on game. the season. Right at the yeah. end of the game. Yes. Okay, there's one save yeah. that we can all yeah. remember and go, wow, yeah. what a game saver. Yep. But he hasn't had to make a lot of no. those saves this season. Like, here's the other thing, too, and it goes back to something that you've mentioned a lot here, George, and that's the goal scoring, like, Okay, Jacob Markstrom started 36 games. How many of those games has he allowed five goals? Would you Would you say? Would you guess? Ooh, I would probably say three. That would be on point. That is actually perfect, which is kind of weird, but well done. Um, how about okay. four goal games? Uh, I would say six. I don't know if you have these numbers right in front of you, but that's kind of freaking I don't. because he's, he's had six games where he's allowed four goals. So he's of the 36 <laughs> wow, games. Wow, look at me. That, Do I win the jelly bean jar? Yeah, you, <laughs> go ahead. yeah here, you get the apple today. Um, 36 games, in a quarter of them, he's allowed four or more goals. Like that's, Right, okay. That's, that's not but, terrible, but, no, but it, it's it relative. goes back to what we've all been talking about, where it's the one bad goal at a crucial time that has yeah. sunk the team. 
but it's also relative to what we just talked about. He's not facing a ton of shots. Yeah, the save percentage is down. Right? Yeah. And like, I hope he wouldn't have that many four or five goal games when the Flames are giving up the second fewest shots in the league. Yeah. It's, yeah, fair point. It's kind of relative. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's, uh, um, let's, do you want to squeeze in just a couple from Texty, and then we'll do some later on in the show? Yeah, real quick. I, we only have a couple so far, so let's fire, well, let's fire them yeah, on. Yeah, all right, let's, uh, nine, six, well, a couple good ones. 960, 960, uh, name and location. Who needs to elevate their game more with 28 games to go? It's time to hand things over to our Sportsnet 960, the fan, text reading robot, Texty McTexterson. Larry and Bisaker, it's far more important that Huberdo elevate his game than our backup goaltender. <laughs> I see what Larry did there. Yeah, he's being very clever. He is. I like that. All right, Colin what else, Texty? Colin in Calgary. I think both of those bums need to pick it up. Getting all the money and not performing bollocks. Okay. Hmm. It's right. not wrong. Yeah. You need more from your highest paid players. He needs more, that's for sure. I love uh, from the couch calling NHL players bums. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. Got one more for us, Texty? Wedley in Bridalwood. It's a tie. Because as the Darylism says, your best players need to be your best players. That's fair. That's Darylism for sure. That is absolutely fair. Uh, your best players need to be your best players. All right. Uh, is Eric Carlson, is that is that actually going to happen to the Oilers? Um, I think a lot of us are secretly hoping it does, although it makes the Oilers better this year, but it'll be an anchor of a contract moving forward. How much better um, does it make them? Like, did you see the package that they was floated out that they might have to give up for this? And also, uh, I laugh uh, when people go, oh, best defenseman in the NHL this season. Is he? If he like he's scoring at will, if and he, he's on pace to score 100 points, which is incredible. But defensively, it's like, did we ever uh, he think just doesn't Mike care. Green was the best re- defenseman in hockey at, his, at yeah. his peak. No. He no, could no, score no. like a forward, but he was never the best defenseman in the game. Yeah. And that's Eric Carlson. Yeah. yeah. I'm right so, there with uh, you. Like, if he wins the Norris, it's going to be like, how many of his games did you guys watch? Like. My the San Jose and, games too. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, and like, it's I also, know you did. East Coast guys voting. No bull. <laughs> That's bull. No way. Yeah. Morsi has also, a better chance. It also just goes to show that you know maybe they need to add a defensive defenseman award because it's usually just goes to the guy, the defenseman who leads the NHL in scoring. Like I guess, but Yossi didn't win it last year, and if well, he was nominated. Yeah, he was a finalist. And if Carlson's a finalist, I don't have a problem with it. Like, 100 points okay. is, is pretty significant, but there's no way he should win. Yeah, but he, if he scores 100 points, he's a slam dunk to win. I don't know if he's going to score 100. Yeah, he's one a leech. He's only needs like leech. Right. He needs less than a point per game the rest of the way. And to be a minus player? Like, yeah. excuse me? How? Man, minus player ever the Leach, That name, Brian Leach with the Rangers, he dated Alyssa Milano. Prime Alyssa Milano back in the day. <laughs> Good for Brian Leach. Good for Brian Leach, I guess. She's a little crazy now. Okay, um, straight ahead. Mark Spector, straight ahead. The franchise, Eric Francis, Amanda Rose on the Genesis, starring Tiger Woods. It's all straight ahead. Keep those texts rolling in 960-960. Who needs to elevate their game more with 28 to go, Markstrom or Huberto? We'll do all of that. And an intern John's great flame stat. And I still got to tell you about uh, something people loving love 
at a basketball game last night. It's all straight ahead. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. The franchise, Eric Francis on the Calgary Flames. We're still taking your text messages, 960-960. Who needs to elevate their game more with 28 to play, Markstrom or Huberto? And we're talking Tiger Woods later on in the show with Amanda Rose. But joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Oilers columnist for Sportsnet, we say good morning to Mark Spector. Speck, how are you? Very well, George and Matt. How's it going up uh, down there? Uh, it's good. Thank, thanks for jumping on this morning. Uh, I want to ask you, who do you think needs to elevate their game more here with 28 to go, Markstrom or Huberto? Well, uh, I guess I would say to you that every time I watch Dan Vladar, Vladar play, I like the way he plays. Uh, are you going to win playoff rounds with him? We'll never know until you try, I suppose. Uh, so my theory would be this. At least you got a guy behind Markstrom who theoretically can do the job for him. Markstrom, I think it's time to probably say that just like Connor Hellebuck, who kind of has a good year and a bad year sometimes, this is just mm-hmm. a bad year for Markstrom. I think trying to, I agree with Eric's call the other day, trying to continue to resuscitate this guy, maybe give him another break, but it's time to kind of pass the torch. Whereas Huberdeau, for me, guys, you only got one Huberdeau, and he's not getting it done. So there isn't another Huberdeau to come in and do what he was supposed to do, right? So to me, yeah. you know, you might be able to repair your goal situation because Vladar, I like Vladar a lot, but you got one Huberdeau and he needs to get going here because that was part of the linchpin of the Calgary Flames. You built a team and Huberdeau supposed to be a big part of it, right? Yeah. Um, where where are you at on um, plus and minus? I know it's an archaic stat to some people, but. When, when it's it's in the case of Jonathan Huberto, I think it matters. He's a minus one so far this year, Spec. Last year, he was a plus 35. That's an enormous difference. Oh, for sure. I mean, he also led the league in assists last year, right? Um, I mean, plus, uh, plus minus is a big picture stat. And, sure. And to every player, it's different. I, I'm not here to – every one of us in the business, right, when we use plus minus, we cringe a little because we know what's coming. Plus minus, how can you use that stat? You know, but when Jonathan Huberto... Opposed to some of the snake oil stats from Hockey Analytics? Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Spike. Yeah, no, hey, I am... You and me are talking the same language. Like, (laughs) you know, the the more stats you have, the more you can make those stats say whatever you want, Mm, right? And that's that's certainly an issue in the analytics world, and I'm here to tell you. Uh, However, uh, in the short term, a guy can go minus two or three in a game and not make a mistake. And that's just a bad stat. Over the course right. of 55 games, when Jonathan Huberdeau's minus one, I don't need to look much further. I know he's not scoring. There's not enough points. But he needs to. That player supports his plus minus with offense, and there's clearly not enough offense there. When I see a defenseman after 55 games, you know who's minus 26. Look, I, I know he's not having a good year. There's better stats, but that stat tells me something over the big picture. It still does. 
Mark, uh, got to ask you about the big story following the Edmonton Oilers this week, and that is uh, perhaps a link to Eric Carlson. And I've uh, I've seen your tweets on it, and perhaps your thoughts. But I was wondering if you could maybe share what you would think about an Eric Carlson partnership with the Edmonton Oilers. Well, you know, I mean, he's uh, probably going to win the Norris. So, you, do you want him on your team if you're trying to win a cup? Sure, you do. You know, no one's saying he's not a good player, and no one's saying he would help. Imagine that guy running the power play and, and just passing pucks to McDavid and Dreisaitl and the guys they have here. But uh, at four years left at 11 and a half, the only way to make this deal happen is if the Sharks pick up like $4 bucks for the next four seasons. And that's never happened in the history of hockey, right? Yeah. You know, the only I, – I, one of the only teams – I think there's – I think there's only – there's two – uh, the Canucks for six years, Arizona ate some money on it, Ekman Larson, but they ate like nine fifty, mm-hmm. and the Oilers ate for four years on Milan Lucic in Calgary, but they only ate seven fifty. Right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about a team eating four, going to the owner and saying, "Yeah, we're going to eat four million dollars, and we're going to do it for four years." Uh, listen, it can it happen? Theoretically, it can happen. It's never happened, and. When I go, I'm not a better, but if I was, I probably would bet against things happening for the first time in the history of the sport <laughs> until it actually happens. It's kind of like betting the Leafs to win a playoff series. If you'd have just every year picked the other team since, what is it, 1994 or something? Three, you'd have yeah, made 2004. Money every year. 2004. Oh, yeah. 2004. You'd have made money every year. I, that's how I, where I yeah. come from. On this trade. <laughs> and the other thing, too, with the Sharks is they've got that Brent Burns they retained on for three years at 2.7, so that would stack for them. How how would the math work as far as players going out? How could you see a way that that would work for the Oilers? Well, and this is where we get to the retention. So Edmonton's one of those capped-out teams with 21 players on its roster, some days 22. So let's just say you didn't retain. Let's say you sent them. You sent him Tyson Berry. You sent him Jesse Pujarvi. You sent him Warren Fogle. You got to send one more guy to get to 11-5. You send him, I don't care who, Devin Shore, million bucks. So I just sent you four guys to San Jose. I get Carlson back. So now <laughs> I've got, let's say I got a 22-man roster. We'll take three guys off of there. Now on the orders, I got a capped-out team, and I got 19 players. Right, you can't go down the stretch run with 19 players. So, not to mention you just, you know, crippled your depth. Depth. The next guy coming up is a farmhand. So that's why it's it's it certainly doesn't work for the orders unless they can get away with only sending like Barry and Pulyarvi, and that means San Jose's got to pick up four million bucks. And again, I just said it. I don't. That's never happened before. I'm not sure it's going to happen this time. Is there a chance a third team gets involved? If they really want to make this happen, we talk, we talk about this. Yeah, a third team getting involved, but again, like history tells us that a third team will get involved and they'll eat a couple million for a season. No third team has ever got involved and ate two or three million bucks for four years. That's four seasons, man. Yeah. You know what, what yeah. draft pick would justify that? Would it? The second round draft pick doesn't justify it. Probably the orders they're gonna orders are gonna have to give a first and a bunch of stuff like good stuff to San Jose. Now they're gonna give another first to Arizona. Yeah, you guys, this, this it's getting to be a sort of a media invention. This trade, to be honest, and I'm in the media, so I know what those look like. <laughs> um, 
Mark Spector, Sportsnet Oilers columnist, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. I know you said um, he's probably uh, uh, the favorite to win the Norris Trophy right now. And again, I don't want to dive too much into NHL awards, but if you actually watch Carlson games, which you have uh, in San yeah. Jose, obviously loves the offensive side of the game spec, uh, racking up all these points. And if he gets 100-plus points, obviously I think he's going to win the award just based on that alone. But, man, there's a lot to be desired in how he plays in his own end, Spec. Hey, listen, you don't get both, you know. You don't get both. Like the player, <laughs> the player, the 100-point defenseman who's a shutdown D-zone start guy, he, that's, he, that's a Martian, right? You'll get that player. He doesn't yeah. exist. So I guess what I'd say, I don't believe, like a lot of people say, hey, if, if you always get the puck out of your zone and you have the puck the whole game – Defense doesn't matter, and I think that is the biggest pile of you-know-what out there because I've watched enough playoff series to know there are times when the other team has the puck, right? I don't care how good you are. The other team gets the puck, they come into your zone, and you got to be able to defend. And that increases as we get to the more important games. you got to defend. got to have guys who defend. I don't like the fact that we judge defensemen today on their points all the time. I like guys that can defend. However... You look at his even strength points, he's got more even strength points than most forwards in the league. So this is a guy who's not just racking up points on the power play. He's getting them at five on five. And, yeah, I'm going to say to you, when Carlson's on the ice, he's not doing much defending, right? <laughs> you know, he's not in his own much. So this is a bit of a unicorn. Can he do it for two or three more years after this? Mm, I'm not so sure. But if ever there was a guy to whom that – theory where the puck's never in your zone so don't worry about his defense applies it's probably this guy this year i gotta ask you like is is defense and a puck moving defenseman the the biggest need for this team because if carlson trade is is out of the realm of possibility there's other options out there goss despair in arizona john klingberg in anaheim a couple guys we talked about in our last segment could you see that maybe being a fit with a little bit of a lower cap hit and perhaps a, a lower asset cost i don't know you know the orders are confused and <laughs> i got my sources inside this team and, and they are they debate this all the time a month and a half ago we said they need help on defense they need a left side defenseman nurse plays too many minutes he's playing 24 a night he needs to get a little bit less they need joel edmondson they need vladi gavrikov right they need a hard rock cycle buster so that's what they thought. So then this, they got a kid up here named Philip Brobert, Flames fans would know about. He's kind of doing what that Rasmus Anderson did a few years ago. He started the year at a certain point, and he's totally popped. He's, he's just having a fantastic season. And now you're looking at this guy's a left-side defenseman. You're going, geez, you know what? This guy's way better than he was before. And they brought up a kid named Vincent Dernay, six foot six. He's killing penalties. He's plus 12 since he's been here. Uh, and they're going, geez, we got a kind of a psycho buster here. Maybe we got a defenseman that could, you know, maybe, maybe Joel Edmondson for a first and a third, maybe he doesn't make us as better today as he did before. So, you know what? I'm going to tell you guys, I think there's a lot of debate inside the order's offices. Maybe we just go after a forward that helps a lot. Maybe we go after Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe we go after Patrick Kane. Maybe we leave the defense alone. And if we're going to blow out a first-round pick on somebody, maybe we get a centerman like O'Reilly who 
you know, he makes you a lot better defensively too because there again, he wins all those draws and you have a puck. So right. they're trying to figure out what they need up here, boys. Uh, it's changed. It's the whole, you know, this is one of the best teams in the league since Christmas. So what they thought they needed before Christmas and what they think they need halfway through February, it's not the same thing anymore. You, you think Patrick Kane would actually wave to come to Edmonton? I don't know. I mean, who knows? You know, the, like playing with McDavid seems pretty cool, though, if he's Patrick Kane. If you're telling me, if the question is, will Patrick Kane sign a three-year deal and come play in Canada? No, I don't think he will. Right. Uh, if you're telling me, will he come up here for three months in a playoff run? I don't know. Why not? You know, what's he going to do in Chicago? You know, the yeah. season's going to end, and he's going to go to the cabin or wherever he goes. So, uh, you know, I, I don't listen. No one knows the answer to that. I would say for him to come up and try to win a cup, maybe his buddy Duncan Keith phones him and says, I did it last year, and it was fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. So who knows? Uh, that, that's super fascinating, too, if they potentially um, could get one of those guys. I um, want to ask you this question, and again, uh, I don't want to radio you because um, – I asked this question earlier this week. Uh, much okay. like in Toronto right now with Austin Matthews, Connor has three years left on his deal after this year. I yeah. feel like they they need to win the Stanley Cup in this window for his long term future in Edmonton. Agree or disagree? Well, I don't know. I'm going to break it back a little bit. They need to do everything they can to win the Stanley Cup. They need to to touch to show him, right? They listen. Right. They're in on. They're trying to find a method to get in on Carlson, which it, to me seems ridiculous. But Ken Holland has mined that trade, I think, to the point where it probably can't happen. But what I'm saying is, he's showing Connor McDavid that here we go into the playoffs. I'm trying to find you the best offensive defenseman, the Norris Trophy winner. I'm trying to get him for you. They might. They won't probably get him. But they're clearly trying to do it. They're moving on to guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Patrick Kane. Will they get them? I don't know if they'll get them, guys. But I guess my point would be this. Connor McDavid, when this season ends or this trade deadline passes, you know, they're ready to move a first. They're ready to move a prospect. And they probably will. So it's impossible to say they have to win a cup, you know, because you don't know. Look at Jerome McGinley. He went chasing a cup after Calgary and he picked team after team after team and kept picking the wrong team and he's one of my favorite mm. players and people of all time so they just need to make it Connor mcdavid can't be sitting there saying they're mishandling it they're saving their first round picks they're not all in you know this is a team that's capped out at 21 guys they signed zach hyman who's a fantastic player they got nugent hopkins at five and a half uh they needed a goalie they went on the market they got a goalie like Ken Holland's not sitting around up here. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's not unlike tree living. He's, he's doing everything he can. He is capped right out, and he is so, because he's spending every dollar they got to try to get better. How tied is Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid's future to one another in Edmonton? Oh, who knows that? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. Leon's got three years after this. Connor's got four uh, they're very good friends. They, you know, they hang together, they play together, they get on together, their girlfriends hang together, all that stuff. So, you know, they're as close as any teammates are going to be. Uh, but listen, don't, you know, uh, listen, guys, don't ask me to tell you what's going to happen four years from now. The hard time <laughs> telling you what's going to happen four days from now. 
I've got to ask, as far as uh, some assets, like if we're just going back to the trade deadline, continue to improve this team, like what type of assets would be off the table for the Oilers? Because last year we heard a lot about how Ken Holland wouldn't trade his first-round pick, and I agreed with it then. What is kind of the, the things that you look at this year and say if it's prospects or picks that would be off the table for Edmonton? Well, I don't think there's anyone on the farm team that's off the table. Mm-hmm. No, their farm team isn't, you know, crammed. They've been a fairly good team for a while, so yeah. they're not picking first overall anymore. So the farm team has a couple guys on there that you like, but they're all available. Um, First-round picks are for sure available here. I would say to you the only untouched – I mean, they trade you Bouchard. Evan Bouchard, they trade you. Uh, they sure don't want to trade you Philip Broberg. Yeah. You know, he's a young, good defenseman on an entry-level contract. Like, holy man, you start trading guys like that away, and this guy's going to play for you for 12 years if you want. You know, they don't want to trade you um, – they don't want to trade you Dylan Holloway. They'd rather not because, again, you got you can't run a team, you guys. Everybody knows this. You can't run a team without some entry-level contracts. Yeah. And they can't be entry-level contracts that can't play – or they're just skating around not helping you win. They got two guys on ELCs that are helping you win. Uh, they got a big cat in Seattle that played in the World Junior Team called Reed Schaefer. Mm-hmm. He's a big, strong, hard-nosed winger that gets some points and uh, looks, you know, he's still in junior. So right today, he looks like a hell of a good player. Will he play? I don't know. We'll figure that out. But I guess they trade you him, but he's probably their top prospect. So... I'm not, you know, they'll part with some stuff. They're ready to win right now. They're trying to win a cup this year. But you can't disassemble your future to try to win for one year either. Um, how much how much better are people feeling about the Jack Campbell contract with this play of late? Yeah, a lot better for sure. A lot better. You know, he's he started like Markstrom, but he came out of it. And now he's been really good since. <laughs> I like since that. December. I like that veiled right. shot. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Well, it's not a shot. It's a fact. <laughs> okay. Right? All right. It's a I fact. Like it. They were both not very yeah. good for a long time. And right. now Campbell's pretty darn good. He's very good. So does it last? He's got a rep as a streaky guy. And, you know, the, the thing they have here, which is I very much like Calgary, I guess, Stuart Skinner's come along and he's been really, really good. He carried the Oilers through Campbell's you know, downswing. And uh, now Campbell's got it back and they got two guys. And you know what? Having two good goalies, man, that's in the league the way it is right now with travel as a Western team and lots of back-to-backs. And they don't, the second end of a back-to-back, they're getting goaltending. And that's not something they've always had around here. Yeah, it's, it's good problems to have, especially in a playoff series, right? Because there could be a chance we could see both of them play in a playoff series. Obviously, uh, that's the- not ideal. Yeah, no, someone was on the radio the other day talking about the Stanley Cup final, and they said there's a back-to-back in it. And there you go, you know. I, like, really? This is a story. There yeah, is? That's what I heard. Uh, Why? You know, what, what, anyway. What Doug McLean used to say? I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's what I heard. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sitting up here looking at the Stanley Cup schedule. Sorry, pal, that's too far down the road for me. But, um, you know what, like – here's the, the weird thing for the playoffs. Like why? And it happens. This is a story for down the road, but everyone always uses one goalie, right? How come? What if you tried using two goalies? No one ever uses two goalies. Sometimes a guy starts, he's not very good. Like flurry in Pittsburgh that year. And Matt Murray takes yep. over and away he goes. But right. what if you have two goalies? What if you play two guys? 
Like, yeah, the Cavs no did it does? with Grubauer and Holpe. Yeah. Yeah, but then, yeah, after after Grubauer, Grubauer sucked Grubauer, and they put Holpe in. Yeah. Yeah, but then didn't Holpe play almost all the games? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I yeah. Look, I'm talking. You know, play till you lose. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, but uh, yeah, okay. either way. The good thing is you go in the playoffs with two goalies and you're in a position to do what that Caps team do and you're in a position to do what that Blues team did, our Pittsburgh team did. And uh, if you got one guy and he goes sour, you're in trouble. Uh, Spec, real quick here too. Um, I know the Avalanche are the Avalanche defending champs, but they had a lot of injury problems and they're missing Kadri there as their second-line center. I uh, wanted to ask you, doesn't the West, and who knows what kind of goaltending they'll get here in the playoffs with Georgiev, doesn't the West feel as open and as it as it's been in a long time? Oh, for sure, absolutely, you guys. Like I'm looking at it. I'm sitting here in Edmonton, okay, and you know the Oilers are going pretty good. I'm thinking they're going to make the playoffs, and they're who knows what happens. But a year ago, you looked and you said, okay, you know what, you make playoffs. Let's see what happens in the Pacific. But Colorado's waiting for you. What did Daryl call mm-hmm. it? A wasted eight days. Well, he was right. Yeah, absolutely right. And Edmonton wasted those eight days. <laughs> you know what? They lost four straight to the Az. And Edmonton didn't play so bad either. I'm here to tell you, they played pretty good. They were not even close. But this season, you know, there's good teams. The Az are still a good team, but they're not the same team somehow. They're not, you know, they're muddling around here. They've got a lot of injuries. They're not quite that team. Dallas is an excellent team. Winnipeg's a strong team. Only one of those teams is waiting for you at the end of the Pacific. So, And when I look at the Pacific, do you see a team in there that even if you're a Calgary Flames fan, do you see a team where you go, oh, my God, we could never beat that team. Like, Vegas yeah. is okay, but uh, you could beat Vegas. You could beat Edmonton. You know, you could beat L.A. So I think it is. I think teams going in, it's going to make for a good trade deadline because that means there's more teams that are – you know, LA's looking at Chikrin, and Edmund is looking at whatever they're looking at. And, you know, Tree, he always does something. And so, yeah, it's open, boys. It's to me, you can certainly get to the third round in this half of the league. And once you get there, now you're flipping the coin. You might be a Stanley Cup team. Who knows? Yeah, it should be super fun. Mark Spector, Sportsnet, Oilers, columnist. Spec, great stuff. Let's do it again soon, pal. All right, boys. Thanks for the call. There's uh, Mark Spector on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Maddie straight ahead to franchise. Eric Francis on the Flames. Amanda Rose on the Genesis, which tees it up <laughs> tomorrow at the Riv. Uh, we're still taking your text messages, 960-960, name and location. Who needs to elevate their game more with 28 to go, Markstrom or Huberto? And we'll tell you about a couple who really loves love. We'll do all of that uh, in the final hour of the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.